building. With some pews. A piano. And stained glass. Or is it something more? 2,000 years ago, the church was born. It wasn't made up of the famous, the rich, or the powerful. It was made up of everyday people who passionately believed in the message of Jesus. It was the beginning of a revolution of love and freedom that would change the world forever. In 369 AD, the church built the first hospital as a place to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Today, the church is the largest single provider of healthcare in history. The church was the first to stand up for the rights of children, creating the first and largest orphanage system in the world. 100 out of the first 110 universities in America were founded as Christian institutions. Places like Harvard, Dartmouth, Yale, and Princeton. Much of the world's greatest art, architecture, literature, and music has been shaped by the church. But the impact of the church isn't just ancient history. Today, the church is stronger than ever and continues to impact every corner of the world. Over 300,000 churches in America and almost 5 million churches around the world stand ready to be instruments of change, to do what governments could never do. Every day, the church brings food and fresh water to millions of people across the world. It has a renewed passion to help widows and orphans and fights to free slaves in every part of the world. It stands ready as a first responder on the scene to provide relief for victims of disaster. The ripple of Jesus' impact can be clearly seen and felt in the church today. And it's made up of people like me and you. Today, you didn't just come to a building. You came to a revolution 2,000 years in the making. The world is facing as much trouble as ever. But we are not afraid. We were created for such a time as this. We will continue to do what we've always done. Proclaim the message of Jesus to help a world that needs him so desperately. Welcome. 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 Welcome to church. Good morning. Isn't it great to be here this morning? The church has such power, doesn't it? Such power. Uh, we have seen it, uh, the church active in, for many, many years, changing the landscape of our world. And it is such a blessing to be able to be together here, whether you are here in person or on live stream. If you are on live stream watching right now, I encourage you at this time to go and get some things that you can use for communion. It's something that we're gonna be doing later. But uh, it, it is such a privilege and a blessing to be able to be here and worship our Lord and Savior this morning. Will you please stand? We're gonna be singing a new song here uh, to begin with. I encourage you, if you can, sing along with it. If you can't, that's okay. Just uh, enjoy it, have some fun, clap along with it, and enjoy the words. I don't know. 
afraid because we know that our God is with us. Um, I just want to take this time to bring forth uh, the thought of offering, right? Just how we can go forth to God each day knowing that he's our shepherd. He's right there beside us. And when we're going through trials and tribulations and we're in the fire, we know that he's right there in that, in that furnace with us. We have all those promises uh, in the scripture, and that's what I love about worship. We have those promises we can hold to. So as you, as we go into offering this morning, I just want to remind you of that. God is with you, and that we can use that confidence as we trust him with all that we have, and we know that he's going to take that and work it for good like he always does. Um, and now I want us to say hi to each other. So turn, you know, give a smile, give a wave. And make sure you say hi.
body of Christ is amazingly diverse. We are all here with uh, here and worldwide. We gather together in uh, all different nationalities, all different races. There's so much diversity in the body of Christ. But the amazing thing is there is one thing that brings us together. I have seen relationships of people who are so polar opposite that there is no way other than the blood of Christ that they would, they would become friends. But they do because the most important thing that we can believe, the most important unifying factor in all of this universe is that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did die on the cross, that he did rise again, and that he paid the price for our sins. And scripture even talks about when Jesus was going to be on the cross, he even talked about this unity. In John 17, 21, he says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, talking to the Father. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. There is something special that happens in this unity that we have. But this unity isn't just about enjoying the presence of each other. I hope we, we do enjoy the presence of each other. But it's a unity on the fundamental, fundamental foundation that Jesus is who he says he is. As we are taking communion here, I want to remind you of that, that the blood of Christ brings us all together. It doesn't matter what differences we have. We do share that. We all share the need for the blood of Christ. And right now, as we pray and we take communion after this next song, please take some moments and thank God for that. Reaching through the ages. 
so much for the blood of your son that unites us here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
So I grew up in church, like in church, like Sunday was like not an option. My connection with God was pretty much to, to make my father happy. It was like this mandatory thing that we had to pray about, we had to think about, we had to talk about. I knew I didn't have it all together. I knew that my family didn't have it all together, but we sure did walk it out as if we did. You did wrong and you know you did it. You know you did it. Say, I know I did it. I know I did it. You know what I mean? It was like that kind of experience. I go to church, I hang out with my church friends, I do all this, and then I go over here every once in a while to be who I really am. By 18, I was just done. I started stand-up comedy in 96. Every night was just, would be do the show, go get hammered. I would go out three times a week, and I'd probably put, I'd probably put a medium-sized house up my nose. If I was a rapper, I thought that's what I would be doing for the rest of my life. Uh, this is one thing that I do that people enjoy. I need to figure out a way to monetize this. So yeah, it was, it was all about me. Went to college and just did anything and everything I could because I had freedom for the first time. I would sometimes pray to, <laughs> pray to the God that I, I claimed to not believe existed. I just did not want to admit that my way wasn't going to work. So I was going to rap battles, I was winning battles, we were doing shows at different places. It, it seems like I, I had a room full of people that were, that were cheering me on, but I was alone. I was actually the most depressed and the most alone that I had ever been because I'd left all of my family, everything that I knew, all of my friends behind. Things were caving in. Like I, the walls were, were moving in on me. I remember my, my sister approaching me. She didn't have a clear objective. She just wanted to let me know that she was there for me. I was just, I just opened up to her and I said, no, things are not good right now. Things are really bad right now. So I end up in, I end up in jail. I'm thinking it's gonna be a short-term thing overnight. Uh, it ends up being much more than that, and I'm there for five days. I didn't know what else to do other than ask for help from Jesus because I knew in that moment, more than ever before, that I needed him, like, to show up. After I got my hair cut, um, we, we went to go get breakfast, and he said, hey, Sean, when are you gonna look, give your life to Jesus, man? Just God was just in the back of my head. And I remember hearing, I, saw, I heard something on the radio, and it was, it was about kids being hurt or something like that. And out loud, to the God that I claimed that I didn't believe existed, I said, how could you let that happen? The response I felt was like, well, it's free will. You have your own free will. You can do whatever you want. I forgive you. I love you. I just felt an embrace, and I, and I, I haven't been the same since. So coming out of that, a friend that I don't even know well, actually invited me to a church and I just knew immediately I was to like be plugged in there and that was going to be my new church. It was years and years of my sister's prayer that led me to that to that encounter with God but once it did happen I mean I who wouldn't want to go to church every Sunday. It was the very first time in LA that I had like real community, real friends Here's the thought, and fear do not get caught. If you're feeling like you should really invite somebody and don't want to bring them to the party without the correct information, no interrogation, just say, please come. Don't be dumb, no matter where you're from. But this is what I know, that Jesus' love came for you and you can come for them. 
and give a helping hand to woman and man, and then they'll understand when they feel the joy, and then they will see that their life is changed because Jesus came in and it's nothing strange. <laughs> Well, good morning, Southwoods. It's good to see you this morning. Who are you going to invite? It can change your life. It can change their lives. Either invite them here, invite them online. Uh, and, and let's be people who reach out to others. I want to say, I want to begin this morning by just saying thank you to all of you who've been praying uh, for my wife, Lori, and her family, and all of us uh, the last several weeks. If you didn't know, Lori's dad's been battling numerous health issues uh, since last fall, really, and several, uh, several weeks ago, <clears throat> he came uh, home from the hospital under a hospice oversight, and since that time, Lori and her mom and her sisters have all been uh, his primary caregivers until they passed uh, a couple of weeks ago, and last Sunday, we held his memorial service uh, in a little town just outside of Cleveland, and um, many of you sent cards, many of you you made phone calls, you sent flowers, some of you, some even came to the service. Had somebody, somebody volunteered to pick up my mom and take her there if she couldn't get there. On and on I could go, but uh, we just want to say thank you. Uh, we love you. And here at church, the whole time, all that's going on, you know, you've got uh, Cody and Bob Priest and Tara and Tom and Jackie and Kristen and a long list of others, uh, most of whom, you know, are just volunteering their time to make it all happen. And you're just continuing to, to lead worship and teach and preach and proclaim the gospel. And uh, we're just so blessed and we're so thankful for every one of you and uh, grateful for your prayers and all that you've done to try to encourage us. And we're thankful that Norman made a memorial service as easy as a memorial service can be by living a good and godly life. And uh, we're so, so grateful for that as well. But we're grateful for you. You know, as we've been going through all of this, uh, particularly the last year, but the last several weeks in particular, um, everybody experiences their share of these kinds of times. And when you go through that, we all have a tendency to be reminded during those times of how much we need each other, how much no man is an island. We, we are in desperate need of each other. We're not meant to live alone. Sort of like chips and salsa. <laughs> we're good individually, but we're better together, right? Sorry, I was kind of cheesy, I know. But uh, cheese also goes well with, uh, anyway. <laughs> a couple of you thought of that, and we're getting a little nauseous right now. But the Bible, Bible reminds us all of this kind of thing in numerous places. And uh, the passage I want to draw our attention to this morning is found in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 24 and 25, just two verses, very important verses. Sometime go back and read the verses around it, but... In these two verses, this is what the scripture says, and just follow along on the screen or in your Bible. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, I want us to read that again uh, one more time. Only this time, I'm going to invite you to read it aloud with me. If you were listening via live stream, uh, Facebook Live, whatever, Right where you are. If you're on an airport, read it aloud with me. Just indulge me if you would. But wherever you happen to be today, uh, just read it aloud with me. And it's only two verses, but I just want us to reflect on this this way. Here we go. 
let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, like a good coach, this passage of Scripture is trying to inspire you and me to recognize and remember the important benefits that come when we're together. I mean, there are lots of benefits of being together. I mean, you look at uh, that first video we watched as the service began. Look at the benefits of the church being together throughout history. I mean, hospitals and colleges and all kinds of things have gone on in the world because of believers being together. And it's still happening. It's still happening. And so this passage just begins to, to lay a framework for understanding from, from the, the foundation of the church what happens when we're together. And I just want to walk you for the next few minutes through the, through the three benefits that I see here that this passage is trying to bring our attention of being together. And I um, hope you'll listen close. hope you'll reflect on this uh, in the days ahead as well. The first benefit of being together, according to this passage, is increased motivation. It's increased motivation. Verse 24 says distinctly, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. It's just trying to convey this idea that togetherness gives us the opportunity to motivate and inspire one another towards goodness and godliness. Always been fascinated by this verse and particularly one word in this verse as I've studied it over the years. The original Greek word that's translated here as motivated, motivate can also be translated in other ways that are counterintuitive to us. We just don't think about it. Sometimes it's translated in other places as provoke. Sometimes it's translated as irritate. Sometimes it's translated as stir up or challenge or argue sharply. Think about that. Argue sharply. Sometimes it's translated as spur or stimulate. All those words are ways this can be stimulated, which means that this passage can be translated. So the passage is saying, think of this. Let us think of ways to provoke or challenge or spur one another on toward acts of love and good deeds. Now here is the subtle, indirect point of the passage. God is a master at slipping the real point in. And this is how he does it here. This is what he's trying to communicate to us. Left to ourselves, our tendency is to be pretty unmotivated spiritually. That's the norm. The norm is when you and I are just apathetic, self-interested, primarily interested in comfort and ease. And God's saying to counter that, we need to be together so that we're motivating and provoking and sometimes even annoying one another into doing good and godly things. And it's just an acknowledgement of human nature on God's part that we're weak, easily distractible, easily self-interested. You know, Kansas City Chiefs football team plays this afternoon. I've been waiting since February for the season to start again. And uh, I'm enjoying uh, enjoyed the first game, and I'm eager to watch the second game. But as I thought about it, you know, they're hoping to defend their title as Super Bowl champions this year, win another one. Uh, they're hoping to build a football dynasty. I want you to think with me, what's it going to take for them to succeed at building a dynasty and repeating? What's it going to take? 
Is it going to take larger contracts and signing bonuses for more of the players? Is that what is really needed? More vacation time for coaches, you know, more flowers in the vestibule at the, you know, at the at Arrowhead Stadium. Is that what's needed? No, what is it going to take? It's going to take the Chiefs as coaches and players unashamedly motivating and challenging and spurring one another on, even annoying each other into doing what each player and the team as a whole knows they can achieve with their athletic potential. I mean, they've got amazing potential, but they need to spur one another on to achieve together what they could never do on their own. You can't do that exclusively virtually. You got to get together. Growth in godliness and love is no different. Being together increases our spiritual motivation. It challenges and inspires us beyond our natural tendencies. We need to be together. It's motivating. Second benefit of being together, according to Hebrews 10, is similar, but it's different. It's some nuances of, of difference to it. Second benefit is this. It's increased encouragement. Increased encouragement comes with being together. Verse 25 says this. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, the passage says. One of the byproducts of being together is encouragement. It's just acknowledging pretty much the obvious, but the subtlety, subtlety here is significant that the opposite is also true. One of the byproducts of not being together, being by ourselves, being isolated is what? It's disencouragement. It's discouragement is really what it is. Think with me. Have you noticed during the past six months of battling COVID-19 that depression and discouragement in our culture have been on the rise. Have you noticed that? And most of us who've even been engaged know that, but um, you know why this is why this is rising. It's not it's not foreign to our thinking. We've had to distance ourselves, quarantine, and work in isolation. We meet via Zoom, and for the longest time, we couldn't shop or visit a restaurant or come to church. No hugs or handshakes, no meeting together. For six months, there's been very little relational warmth or encouragement nationwide, worldwide. Is it any surprise that discouragement, depression are on the rise? It shouldn't surprise us. Let me illustrate the consequence of all this this way. You know, I enjoy campfires. Lori and I like to camp. We have a camper. We enjoy that and have over the years, though it's a lot more crowded this year trying to camp than in past years. That's another subject. But uh, most of us have experienced a campfire, though, where you have a nice little campfire. Let me just ask you a question, though, with that campfire in your mind. Is there more warmth and light when you have a campfire if the firewood is spread out and separated in the fire pit? Or is there more warmth and light when it's together? smushed together in the center of the fire pit where it's in proximity. Some of you are troubled that I use the word smushed. <laughs> which, which, is, which is more significant? I mean, you and I both know it's when, it, when fire, for fire to burn, there, it has to have proximity. It's when it's together. 
In the same way you and I are better together, there's increased warmth and encouragement when we're in proximity to each other. This ought to be obvious to us. We know this. Maybe it's gotten a little fuzzy in some of our minds. There's a third benefit of being together that's alluded to in today's passage. Third benefit of being together is increased awareness. At least that's what I'm calling it. Left to ourselves, you and I can choose to ignore things. Have you ever noticed that? You know, when we're just by ourselves, we can ignore things. Uh, During the last few weeks, while Lori's been in Ohio helping uh, her parents, her family, uh, I've been back and forth between here and there numerous times. And let's just say, when I'm at our home by herself, by myself, I ignore some things. (laughs) Dust, facial hair that accumulates in my sink. I, I rinse it out. But one of the great mysteries of the world is that you can rinse it out and somehow it still accumulates and it's an unsolved mystery. When Lori and I are together, I have an increased awareness of things that I might otherwise not notice. My guess is that many of us have experienced that. Same thing happens spiritually to literally all of us. Today's text is just acknowledged. It makes reference to a specific example of this is what it does. There's a momentous event on God's timeline that many throughout history have had a tendency to just want to ignore. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Notice what it says, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The scripture here and scriptures in other places are really clear. Jesus is physically returning to our planet soon. And based on the current trajectory of 2020, I think it's probably sooner than some of us think. We'll get into that more in a few weeks. But for now, I want to ask you this. Are ABC, NBC, CNN, Fox News, or any of the other news networks, any of them going to bother to remind you about the return of Jesus? Answer? Are they going to remind you of the importance of forgiveness and loving your neighbor and showing generosity? Are they going to remind you to pray for your leaders and those who are in authority over you instead of hating them and slandering them and gossiping about them? They're not going to remind you of that. Are they going to remind you that you were created by God with a purpose in mind? He has a sovereign purpose for you. You are not here by accident. You were born for such a time as this. Are they going to remind you of that? Are they going to remind you the world is not all there is and the best is yet to come when Jesus shows up? Are they going to remind you of that? No, I could go on, couldn't I? They're not going to remind you of any of these things and a long list of others because it doesn't sell very well. And that is their objective. That is their objective. But all of those things are true and all of those things will last and be relevant long after the news networks have been forgotten. Friends, if the day of Jesus' return is drawing near as the Bible indicates that it is, then being together in the days ahead is going to not only increase your awareness of a whole lot of important things, 
it's going to help you keep forefront in your mind things that are absolutely critical for you to be aware of. You're not going to hear it anywhere else. But you need to hear it whether you want to hear it or not. We need to be together, friends. From this day forward, till Jesus shows up, we need to be together, especially, especially the text. No, notice that it's not Greg saying it's the text. Especially, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So as we head into fall, let me encourage you in a few ways. I want to encourage you to put your mask on, grab your hand sanitizer, and go for a walk with a friend. Some of us have been in our bunker for six months, and we're not interacting relationally with hardly anybody. We've had friends. We just don't have them right now. Maybe you've Started out texting, started out emailing, even called, but it's gotten sloppy, and now it's been six months, and you're discouraged, depressed. We're better together. You don't have to be careless, but you do have to be intentional. Have to remember, there are risks to isolation, some of which be argued maybe are worse than the risks of getting a virus. We need to think about that. The media is not gonna tell you that. But the Bible's telling us that we're better together. So take some precautions, but engage relationally with some people in your life. You need to nurture those friendships. They need you and you need them. As we head into fall, let me encourage you to join one of our Bible study groups. All of them are social distancing right now. Several of them meet on Zoom. We can always start more. Everyone needs a group. Notice the key word there? Everyone. Everyone. No exceptions. Someday I dream of Southwoods that it will be said no one was without a group. Everyone was in a group. If what the scriptures say is true, I mean, you, you need the connection with some other believers who are endeavoring to walk with God and walk through what's ahead in our culture together. You're better together. We all are. We all need to be connected. And if you don't have an underlying health condition, I think scripture is saying to us, Let's not neglect meeting together here as some people do. If you do have an underlying health condition, let's not neglect meeting together online as some people have begun to do. You know, we started out on this path. There were a whole lot of people watching online on a regular basis, and we still have quite a few who do. Still have uh, more uh, people online than even physically present on a routine basis. But it's gotten sloppy for some people. And I'm, let me just say, we're better together. And we need to stay connected. If you can't be here physically, you need to physically be present online. Because in the days ahead, we need to keep in mind, we're better together. We need each other. 
And there's something that God does in the context of gathered believers that can't happen any other way. Next week, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. And what you see was when believers gathered in Jerusalem on that day, they were, were gathered in an upper room and of all things praying, which note to self, prayer ought to be something we really devote ourselves to. We'll talk about that a little more next week. But the Holy Spirit showed up in a way that could, he can do anything he wants to, but he chose, he chose to pour out his spirit on a gathering of believers he pour out his spirit on a gathering of believers like this, and I think he can do it when we're physically here and when we're digitally connected as well because he is everywhere always. We're better together. Remember that. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we wrap up in prayer this morning. As uh, you're doing that, let me just say, uh, you're also, you and I are also better when our lives are intertwined together with Jesus. And if you have never invited Jesus to be your Savior, if you've never invited Him to be your Lord, this morning is really your opportunity to look heavenward and just, and just say to Him, and you can say it with me, you know, as, as I say it, just, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Just say it with me. Fill me with your Spirit. Cleanse me with your shed blood. And make me yours. Thank you for loving me when I didn't deserve it and choosing me to be yours. And if you've never demonstrated your faith by being baptized as the scripture it repeatedly, expressly demonstrates and teaches, let us know. Let us help you with that. We can help facilitate that. We can coach you through how to do that. If you're not able to do it, if we're not able to help you do it here in some way, we can coach you through that. You would want to do that. Maybe you're in some far-flung place in the country or the world, and you know, there's literally no way for you to, to let us help you here. We can talk you through that. But uh, email us, pastors at southwoods.org, and we'll, uh, we'll help you with that in any way we can. We want to help you obey God in this matter. One last thing I want to mention, next Saturday has been designated as a national day of prayer. And, you know, if you pay attention to anything going on in our world, we, our nation needs a lot of prayer and would encourage you uh, to set aside some time, maybe Saturday. Uh, Franklin Graham and Jonathan Kahn are two guys in, individual, in particular who set aside uh, sort of special events that are taking place on the Washington Mall. It's not primarily political. It is primarily um, primarily spiritual prayer walks and all kinds of things going on. Would encourage you to, to uh, keep your wits about you as we head into the fall. You know, what the evil one has begun to do in our culture is he is politicizing moral and ethical things. And this is what you need to pay attention to as we head into the fall. There are things that matter deeply to God that, you know, are sort of getting talked about in political ways. Don't get sucked into that. If Jesus is your Lord, this is your constitution. You hear me? This book. And that doesn't mean that we don't care about the constitution, but it does mean that we care about what God cares about. And so I just invite you to... Uh, Spend some time this weekend praying about all of this. Also, if you'd like more information about that, I, just email us at pastors at southwoods.org. We can send you a link, and then you can stream some of those prayer gatherings uh, you know, on your computer this weekend as they happen. So just want to invite you to do that. So 
Grateful that you're here. Let's, uh, let's be together uh, today and in the weeks ahead. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your faithfulness, your mercy, your sacrifice on our behalf. You have purchased us with your shed blood, Lord Jesus, is what Scripture tells us. We're grateful, forever grateful for that. So, Lord, as we leave this place, would you help us to walk empowered by your Holy Spirit, committed to walking in your ways and living out your lifestyle, your character, loving like you love, serving like you would serve, celebrating others around us as you would, being grace-filled as you would be. Help us to do the right thing, whether it profits us or costs us. Help us to honor you and to stimulate one another on toward goodness and godliness. Help us to remember that we're better together Help us to fear you more than we fear a virus. To obey you more than anyone else in the world. And Father, on that day when we stand before you face to face, we'll rejoice to hear your words, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Go with us now as we leave this place. Help us to walk in your ways, to do it together. It's in Jesus' name we lift this prayer. Amen. Bless you all.